Good morning, Dothan First. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Let's give God some praise. We sing to the God who always makes so 
hand clap of praise. Amen, amen. Well, you may be seated. Good morning, Dothan First family. We're so glad that you joined us today. And if you're a first-time guest, we're especially thankful that you're here. So, Dothan First, can we take a moment and just give it up for our first-time guests? It's so awesome to have you here, and we're so thankful for you. So if you don't mind, you can text D1TEXT to 84576, scan the QR code on the screen, or grab the Connect card from the pew in front of you. Fill it out with as much information as you don't mind us having, because we want to follow up with you. And if you'll hold on to those things until after service, we have a number of ways for you to follow up. You can drop it in the giving box as you exit, give it to one of our leaders in the lobby, but our pastors, Mark and Michelle Benson, would love to meet you in our guest reception room. So please, scan the QR our code, grab the connect card, or text D1TEXT to 84576. And there's a number of things on there. You can sign up for growth track, baptism, child dedication. We want you involved in the life of the church. Also, I want to remind you that today, after service, matter of fact, look at your neighbor right now and say, after service, we're doing a girls ministry luncheon and cake auction. The lunches are $10 a plate, and these go to our girls ministry for them to continue to do gender specific ministry in the world that we live in. And so I want to invite you to participate in partnering with our, our young ladies, our women, and also to eat some desserts that are going to be amazing. But that's today, after service, please, please, please be a part of what these ladies are doing. Speaking of girls ministry, I also want to let you know that on Wednesday nights we call family nights. We don't just have girls ministry, we have boys ministry, youth first, sisterhood and brotherhood. That's our men's and women's classes. I want to invite you personally to come here on Wednesdays at 6.30 to continue to grow spiritually, learn more about God and grow in relationship with each other. Family nights, every single Wednesday, you should bring your whole family, your neighbor, your cousin, everybody because we love families. Speaking of families, on October 30th at 5 p.m., we're doing our trunk or treat here on our campus, and I want to invite you to do a few things. We need a lot of candy, so you can donate candy, but we also need people to host trunks. So if you have creative ideas and you even want to partner with some of the people that you're sitting on the pew with right now, I encourage you to host a trunk. Some of us get real creative. We love to dress up, so please do that with us. It's a safe alternative for our children and for our families to come onto our campus and for us to serve them by giving them candy and just celebrate them and having a fun night together as a community. So I encourage you, October 30th at 5 p.m., bring your candy, bring your car, bring your neighbor. We want you to be here. Well, Dothan First, we're so glad that you've joined us today, and we're so excited for what God's going to do in this service, so I encourage you to lean in and take notes. But if you don't mind, can you stand up on your feet and honor one of the greatest pastors in the world, Pastor Mark Benson? Man, he didn't have to have you stand, but I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Please, please, please be seated. We're so thankful that you're here today. And again, for those that are first-time guests in the house, we just want to make you feel comfortable and welcomed. We want you to feel at home here. And as Pastor Will said, right after this service, if you'll head out the doors and just to your left, you'll see our guest reception there. That's made for you. It's available for you. Myself, my wife, Michelle, and some of our leadership team will be there ready to greet you and connect with you and give you a gift for hanging out with us today. And for those watching online for the very first time, we want to honor you as well. We're so delighted that you chose to worship God with us today. Whether you're watching on live stream or on demand, we just want to make sure that you feel that connection between us and you, but more importantly, you and God. We want to make sure you feel connected today. And uh, listen, one thing we want to help you to get connected through, as he said, you can use that QR code to scan if you'd like to sign up for a life group or get connected to GrowTrack. 
that's our, our way of getting people connected to their destiny, to their divine design, as well as helping you better understand how you're truly fit for ministry and ministry outlet opportunities that we have here at Dothan First. Of course, if you want to get baptized or have a child dedicated, you can do that as well. Well, listen, today it is offering time. We get to give unto the Lord. How many grateful God's blessed you? Come on. He's been good to you. He's been faithful. And we want to honor the Lord in our giving. And you can see the five different ways to give there on the screens today. Uh, We're not going to be passing the plate. But if you do want giving credit, you can go ahead and do that using the envelope in the seat pocket in front of you. And then simply take that on your way out to those giving boxes and turn those in there and we'll be glad to uh, be able to put those toward the proper designations once again thank you for your missions giving uh, on behalf of all of the missionaries we support and specifically uh, the the assistance in disaster relief uh, in Florida thank you on behalf of all those who are receiving water and tarps and uh, receiving food and clothing and uh, assistance in shelter. You have done that. And uh, on behalf of them, I know that they're incredibly grateful and they want to send their love and appreciation to you. And of course, the, the war effort in Ukraine, our assistance there to give Bibles and materials, uh, uh, worship materials and, and teaching materials to, to house churches. Uh, we're just, I, I'm so honored to be able to do that. And I thank God I partner with generous people to help with that. Well, let's take a moment. We're going to pray over this time of giving. Lord, thank you so much that now we get to give. And as we give, I pray you would give back. Lord, as you said in your word, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I pray it would be exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think or imagine. And Lord, in the midst of uh, economic downturn, Lord, we realize that you are truly our provider. We thank you for that. We thank you, uh, surely we thank you for businesses and business leaders in our community. But Lord, I pray this city would be blessed beyond measure and this church would be blessed beyond measure. Even uh, when the stocks go down, I pray your blessings would go up. And I thank you in advance for that. We just speak strategic blessing over these, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give today. And I'm going to invite you to do this. I'm going to have all of our elders, if you'll make your way toward our various stations of prayer today. And uh, they'll be in the back over here by the exit sign and back over here by this exit sign and up in the balcony. Listen, these elders are your elders. They're there for prayer support every Sunday and we take this time very seriously because we know you're going through needs and crisis and issues and problems at work as a matter of fact in a few moments I'm going to be dealing with how to deal with difficult situations at work and I want to help you biblically but how many of you know we can get all the education we need but we need prayer more than anything else we need God's intervention and so in this moment of singing in worship to the Lord As we stand, I'm going to invite you to go back if you need prayer today. So would you stand up with us uh, all across this place? Everybody stand. Let's worship God in song. But if you have a need, slip out from where you're at and receive prayer today.
to a standard, usual, typical, or expected normal, but there is nothing normal about our hope. See, our hope can't be found in an expectation. Our hope can only be found in the hearts of men and women who have been chosen before the foundations, without qualifications, chosen by a God who positioned us before the world began purchased us from the marketplace of death when we did not deserve it and postured us as heirs to a kingdom. Our hope was nailed to a cross until he died. But our hope is more than a feeling. So our hope in three days did rise and for 40 days he remained teaching us his ways. And then our hope ascended to heaven commanding us to share this hope with others. Our hope is for the lost who become sister and brother. Our hope isn't a feeling. Our hope is a person. Our hope is in the risen king. Our hope is in the one who lived and for our sin died. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. The only 
only hope of the world, Jesus Christ. And we're so grateful to God that he is with us. He's among us today. Listen, you don't have to fear or fret. Whatever worry you came in with, you need to know God is going to lift you from where you're at to where he's taking you. And it's going to be better than you ever dreamed. Listen, even through problems, even through crisis, as a matter of fact, most often through pain is where you'll find the promises of God true and it'll take you through. So today, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to bless you with the word. Hey, listen, how many are ready for the word today? All right, listen, how many are going to help me preach this today? Are you going to help me? Okay, listen, I want you to get out your copy of God's word. Say this with me. Say, I am what God's word says I am. I can do what God's word said I can do. And I can become all that God said I could be. So today... I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now, I just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm going to help him preach today. I promised, and I'm going to do it. So we've been talking about hope and specifically hope at work, which is a very difficult place to find hope. As a matter of fact, oftentimes it's, uh, it's such a struggle, it's so discouraging, it's so overwhelming that for some of you, you go into work and it's like drudgery the entire day, whether it's what you do that just isn't uh, the alignment for your assignment, right? It, it just doesn't work towards your gift set, or maybe for others of you, it's not the, the, the particular thing you do that's a bother or a problem or a discouragement, but it's the people you happen to work with that becomes such an overwhelming frustration and you just don't know how to handle it. Listen, I want to give you some biblical counsel on how to deal with difficult situations, specifically at, at work. But I want to bring you back 40 years ago in my lifetime. 40 years ago, I did, one, uh, I did my first speech meet in elementary school. And they, they allowed you to choose what you wanted to do as your speech, and it would be a shortened speech. And this particular one grabbed me that, that many years ago, and I felt like it was apropos to read today to you, as for some of you, you may have thought, man, this week was really tough at work, or I got it really bad at work. I'm going to read to you the speech meet from 40 years ago. Here it is. An accident claim form was turned in by a bricklayer to the insurance company. It said this, Dear sirs, I'm a bricklayer by trade, and on the day of my accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of bricks left over. Rather than carry these 500 pounds of bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them down in a barrel over the side of the building using a pulley which was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. After loading the barrel of, uh, full of bricks, I went down to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure the slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. You'll note in my accident reporting form that I weigh 150 pounds. Due to my surprise at being jerked up off the ground so suddenly that I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. 
Needless to say, I proceeded at a rapid rate up the side of the building. And in the vicinity of the third floor, I met a barrel, the barrel, coming down. This explains my fractured skull and broken collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until my fingers on my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Devoid, devoid the weight of the bricks, the barrel now weighed approximately 50 pounds. Again, I refer you to my weight, 150 pounds. As you might imagine, I began my rapid descent down the side of the building in the vicinity of the third floor. I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles and lacerations on my legs and lower body. The encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks. Fortunately, I only had three vertebrae that were cracked. I'm sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the bricks, in pain, unable to stand, Watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my presence of mind and I let go of the rope. <laughs> hey, how many know sometimes we're going to have some bad days at work? Hopefully your week was not as bad as his. But when we're in this series called Hope and specifically Hope at Work, I gave you Romans chapter 5, verse 5, as this theme verse that hope does not disappoint us. Romans 5, 5, five words. Hope does not disappoint us. So what do you do if you're an employee and you have a cantankerous boss? Somebody who's always on your case. What if you're an employer and you have an employee that's a slacker all the time? What do you do if you uh, have a co-worker who's constantly cussing up a storm and you just can't seem to get away from them. How do you deal with these difficult situations at work? And listen, friends, human beings, all of us were made to work in whatever form or fashion you particular, uh, your particular vocation draws you to. We all work in some way. Students work by uh, solving math problems and taking tests. And, and uh, even retirees work in many ways around their, their homes or working outside of the home. A lot of those uh, lights that you see that are changed out or uh, bulbs that have been burned out that are now changed out with light bulbs have been done by retirees that come in and work at the church for free, giving their time, talent, and resource to be able to assist. And so all of us as human beings should work because God has goals to accomplish through us as we work. Your work is part of God's plan. And I shared this with you last week and the week before that God has a few goals for your life. Uh, you know the first one, love God and love people. So it's easy to love God because he's God and he's good. But it's hard to love people because they're flawed. So how does God want us to love people? Well, he gives us a couple of opportunities to grow by serving others at work. And of course, he wants us to share the good news of Jesus Christ and his love for the world, sometimes using words, but most of the time through our actions to prove that we're believers. Colossians 3.23 says it like this, whatever you do, everybody say whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for people. 
So your work is a place to display the love of God in a lot of different ways. And whether you're a civil servant or a doctor or the president of a company or a truck driver or whatever your vocation might be, whatever you do, work at it as unto the Lord. And God wants us to grow up spiritually. Did you know that? Part of the reason that you're here is not just to get an education biblically. It's, it's supposed to be practical application so that on Monday morning, you can take what you've learned and apply it to your daily life. And the point of it is that you grow spiritually. God wants each one of us to grow up to maturity. He doesn't want to keep us as little children acting in self-centered ways. And so often what God does is he uses problems to begin to develop our character. And he gives each one of us unique problems because he knows that we have to deal with problems in order to troubleshoot a solution. But most importantly, he wants us to develop our character, to become more like him. Romans 5 says it like this, verses 3 and 4. When we run into problems and trials, we bellyache and complain because we're mad about it, right? Now, is that what it says? It says, when we run into the problems and trials, right, they help us. Turn to your neighbor and say, your problems help you. Just go ahead and lean into them right now. They help us to learn to endure. And endurance develops, here it is, the strength of character. Friends, if you have no problems, there's no place to grow. You can't develop strength of character when everything's going perfectly. He says, and helps us to trust God more each time. Listen, friends, God is far more interested in your character development than he is in your comfort. Did you know he's far more interested in perfecting you than pampering you? And we all like to live in comfort, but we don't grow in comfort. Are you following this? So God's goal for our life is growth. And he uses problems to train up our character. So the next time you run into a problem, don't say, God, why me? What you need to be saying is, God, what are you trying to teach me? What am I supposed to learn from this situation? And friends, even temptations at work, those trials and temptations can become opportunities. If you'll allow them, if you'll see them through God's eyes, the development of your character, God can teach you how to grow through problems and, and I can say it like this. Jesus was tempted in every way. Temptation is not sin, okay? To be tempted is not sin. It's to give in to temptation, which is sin. And Jesus didn't give in, okay? But how many understand? You can't say, I'm an honest person if you've never had the opportunity to be dishonest, right? You can't say, oh, I'm a fair person unless you've had the opportunity to be unfair at work with somebody, You can't say, well, I'm telling you, I'm a very responsible person. Well, that's great. But how do you know that you're a responsible person unless you've been put in a place or given an opportunity or been tempted to be irresponsible? 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says it like this. Remember that the temptations, and I'll say the temptations at work, that come into your life are no different than what others experience. God is faithful everybody say God is faithful God is faithful he will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it and he says when you're tempted not if you're tempted when you are tempted he'll show you a way out so you won't give into it 
What he's saying is temptations are resistible because God makes a way out. But the way he makes out is that you have to choose character. You have to choose it. Understand that while you're working on your job, God's working on you. That's what's happening. So here it is. God not only promises to work through those problems in our life to begin to develop us and train us and give us the character we need, but he also, listen, uses, here it is, people to teach us how to love. Oh, listen. The problem with the church is that there's people in it. (laughs) Like this job would be so easy to pastor a church without people. Why? Because with people comes problems. And we are all problem-filled, flaw-filled people. And we're training on how to love imperfect people. That's the way God designed it. To teach us character and integrity and love He puts sister sandpaper next to you at work in the cubicle next door, right? Right? He puts the guy that just rubs you the wrong way all the time at work. And he puts him right next to you. And God has a great sense of humor when it comes to our jobs, doesn't he? He just brings us these people, these knuckleheads, these God help us, these people. And of course... If you don't have that at your job, you might be the one that everybody else thinks is the knucklehead at work, okay? Just saying. But by nature, listen, by nature, we as humans are self-centered. We're self-motivated. We love ourselves. We don't love others by nature, right? Our, Our first words as children are I, me, and mine. I want what I want, and I'm going to cry until I get it. Is that true? And so as humans, we sometimes just don't grow up. And so we choose to complain and grumble about people when in reality, God's put them in our pathway to teach us character. Ephesians 5, 2 says it like this, live a life filled with love for others, following the example of Christ God wants you to learn how to lead with love. He's teaching you love lessons on the job. One of the best places that God can teach us is in our work because we spend a, you know, a third of our life there dealing with people, customers and clients, coworkers, classmates. And he puts us in those positions to teach us how to love people that are unloving. Look, it's real easy to love loving people. I like people that encourage me and challenge me in a, in a good, positive way and uplift me and say, hey, can I pray for you when I'm going through a tough time or when I'm walking through difficulty? They say, hey, I got your back, man. It's no problem. Or if somebody's sick at home and I need to go take care of them, that somebody says, hey, I, I'll cover for your position. I got you. That's great. And it's easy to love somebody that's loving. But how many of you know it's not easy to love the unloving when people are mean? And that's where we learn best how to love people. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says it like this. Do all, not some, do all your work, here it is, in love. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 says it like this. If I have no love, I achieve precisely nothing. Studies seem to indicate that the number one ability needed for job success is the ability to get along with other people. Matter of fact, that's what most 
employers are looking for when they look at job resumes. They're not just looking for the ability to do the job well. Most and generally, they're looking for people that know how to play nice with others. <laughs> right? Y'all remember your kindergarten class or first grade or second grade class where they would uh, circle little things and uh, Johnny is really good at playing well with others, right? Well, how many know Johnny still needs to learn when he grows up how to play nice with others? And it's often not found in the workplace. Listen, let me just stop and say this. You might really truly work with some very difficult people. And and I want to help you with this because, look, there's some real, real jerks on the job. There is. It's absolutely the truth. And whether it's a a, a coworker or a client or an unscrupulous boss, you've got to deal with them. And how do you deal with them? Here's the answer. Romans chapter 12, verse 8. And I love this verse because it gives us so many wonderful out clauses. Are you ready for this? If it's possible. Everybody say, if it's possible. (laughs) As far as it depends on you. Everybody say, as far as it depends on you. Don't you love that it says that? I absolutely love that it says that. Because there are some people that are just, no matter what you do, they're never going to be happy. They're never going to be satisfied. They're always going to be mean. They're just going to be that way. But it says, as far as it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, if it just said, live at peace with everyone, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, you'd be like, "I I want that. I just can't achieve it on the job with that knucklehead sitting next to me. But he says, as far as it's possible, as far as it depends on you, what he's saying is, don't you be the source of irritation and don't get down to their level. Look, friends, it boggles my mind that when a problem at work arises through a person and that person is always known to be that guy or that lady and we get get on their level and get just as petty and insecure, and jealous, and loud about that person. We become just like them. And there's different types of difficult people to deal with, right? There's controlling people, those little dictators in your job, the demanding, right? The intimidating, those who try to dominate everybody at work, they're oppressive and rude, and have unrealistic demands, and they're always difficult to be around. Then you've got corrupt people, the snake in the grass people, the people that have no integrity. They lie, they cheat, they steal. They do everything they can to get ahead and they'll stab you in the back just as quickly as they would the devil himself, right? Then you got not just corrupt people or controlling people, you got crabby people. How many got, well, I I shouldn't even have you raise your hand because you might work with the person that's on that row and, you know, I don't want to cause a problem, but I'm just saying crabby people, chronic complainers, they're people who are always negative, always grumpy, always grouchy, never satisfied, never content. They love to argue, they love to complain, and they blow up without warning. You're thinking of somebody right now. How about cantankerous people? These are the touchy, thin-skinned people that are easily hurt, easily offended, always offended at everything. They take offense at everything you say, so everybody has to walk around in eggshells because they don't know when that person's just going to get offended. Anybody know somebody like that? And then you have condescending people, 
People are always putting you down. They're patronizing. They're demeaning. They're so insecure, they've got to attack you for no good reason. Insulting and disrespectful and bad-tempered. They treat you like dirt, critical of everything you do. How does God want you to love people like that? And why would he want you? Why would he even expect you to love people like that? Why? Listen, because he's trying to teach you character. He's trying to grow your character. What does that look like? I hate to tell you this, but it's found in 1 Corinthians 13. I know you don't want to hear this, but it's the most quoted scripture, especially when it comes to marriage, right? You do a wedding and everybody loves this verse. I tell you to do this at work and you want to beat me down. (laughs) Here it is, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record when it's been wronged. You know what that looks like? That means that you have a little trigger in your brain that doesn't keep score when you're treated poorly. Matter of fact, you can't say the next week at work, man, that dude always does that. Because you forgot. (laughs) You're choosing to overlook in love. Responding like Jesus did when he was good to others. And then he said, you ought to do the same. He says, even if the, the, however you treat the least of these, you're doing it for me. Who's the least of these? Sometimes we think of that as uh, orphans and widows. And surely that's true. Or the poor or the needy or the afflicted. And surely that's true. But for some of us, It's those least of these who are the least likely to be kind. And we're being kind because we're doing it unto the Lord. Romans 12, 16 and 17 says it like this. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think think you know it all. Here it is. Never pay back evil for evil. Never pay back evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. You know what? When people see you and they see the way you handle difficult situations, they are reminded that, hey, that person's a Christian. That's a Christ follower, and they're different. Something's different about them. The way they're responding is so different from the way everybody else is responding, and it changes their perspective about Jesus. Finally, he uses pressures at work to teach us how to grow, how to mature. And if the worship team would come as we prepare to close, when when our priorities get out of order, that's usually when the pressure starts to mount and intensify. And God uses these moments, these pressures to begin to teach us how to live responsibly. And Ephesians 5 says it like this in verse 15, live life with a due sense of, of responsibility. This is a rare virtue in our world today, especially in our culture today, to take responsibility. People don't want to take any personal responsibility for anything. They want to stand for their rights, but they have no need of taking personal responsibility. Friends, we're living in a nation of victims. Do you know what victimization does over time? 
If you define yourself constantly as a victim, then nothing that could ever happen in your life is a personal responsibility moment because it's always everybody's fault. It's not my fault. Somebody else's fault. It's the government's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's, it's the, the person on the job's fault. It's somebody else's fault. The reason that I'm not getting ahead, the reason I'm not succeeding, it's not because you're not working hard, right? You're slacking on the job all the time. But that's not your fault because it's a boring job or you just weren't given enough responsibility. So therefore, how can I get ahead? My, it's because my boss always overlooks me. It's because my parents didn't raise me the right way. That's why I am this way. And friends, listen, psychologists say the most important thing you can do for your mental health is to learn how to take personal responsibility. Everybody say personal responsibility. Friends, this takes ownership of your life. Because one day we will have to give an account for what we've done with what we've been given. And God says, I don't want you to be immature children. Immature children always blame somebody else always stomp their feet when they don't get what they want, always consider themselves the victim, right? Two children are fighting or arguing. All right, you walk in as a parent. All right, who started this? He did. No, she did, right? Adults, mature believers, people that love God and love people, learn how to take personal responsibility. And Christians should be the most responsible people in the workplace, the Bible's pretty practical about this. I'll give you a couple of quick examples of ways you ought to show responsibility at work. Friends, you need to learn how to keep your promises. Like, do what you say, man. Your word should be your bond. Psalm 15, 4 says it like this. Faithful followers of the Lord keep their promises even when it hurts. Are you a person of your word? Functioning in integrity. Do you meet deadlines consistently? Or are you a slouch at work? Are you lazy? Proverbs 18, 9 says, A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. In essence, what he's saying is, when you waste your employer's time, you're, listen, destroying your employer's business. When you're lazy at work, you're losing. And eventually, your company's going to lose. Think about like this in the car industry because my family grew up in Detroit. A lot of the family members worked at some of the different uh, companies that worked with assembly lines to create the cars that you drive. Now, just think about if a handful of employees on that job of the assembly line decide they're just going to be lazy and overlook a very important safety feature and enough times it happens and other people see hey they're slacking on the job I might as well slack too before too long guess what happens the cars that we get break down and that car company has a poor reputation because of its lazy employees because one or two people decided and God forbid that someone end up dying in a car crash at, because someone was too lazy to check the safety features you may not be in a job situation where you think your life depends on it if you slack off, but can I just tell you something? God sees it. Why? Because we're not working for human beings. We are working for the Lord. We're Christians. We're the people that ought to be working without supervision, and, and the boss knows, hey, they'll be fine. 
Matter of fact, that's how you become a supervisor. If you prove yourself faithful when they, you think no one's watching. Ephesians 6, 6 says it like this. Don't work hard only when your boss is watching. Work hard all the time as though you're working for Christ. Right? Taking responsibility, taking personal ownership, building your character. How about this? Luke 16, verse 12, says this. If you're not faithful with the other people's money or with other people's money, why should you be entrusted with money of your own? So many people say, I want to get ahead, especially in the American culture. Man, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the brightest. Man, I want, to, I want to raise to the top of the stacks. I want to be the highest paid employee. Well, are you working to earn that right? Some of you have access to a budget. And you are the poorest employee when it comes to handling a budget. You spend your money, your own money, like you're a pauper. Man, you're so tight wide with that money. You just squeeze it so tight, right? You get a few bucks in your hand and you're like, oh, this is my money. Oh, this is mine. And somebody says, you know, generous. You, we're about ready to head into the Thanksgiving season. We're about ready to serve a whole bunch of people in our community uh, in Feed Dothan. And you're like, oh, but I, wanna, I want my big turkey, but I don't want to help somebody else out right? You got your, your money in your tight hand and your tight fist and it comes time to be able to give toward fostering hope or one of the other missions that we're about here in, at Dothan First. You got that money so tight. You're, I, this is my money. But then when it comes to the boss's money, man, you're spending like, oh, more. Yes. <laughs> give me more. I want the best. Spending like your Bill Gates, right? And it says, if you're not faithful, listen, if you're not faithful with the little things, if you're not faithful with somebody else's money, why in the world should God ever trust you to give you a raise or a bonus or a promotion? The very things that I pray about each week. Friends, I want you to succeed. I want you to be successful whether you're a teacher or a realtor or a salesperson or a manager or whatever, what you do matters to God at work. And how is God trying to use your work to help you grow up spiritually? It's time for you to cooperate with God's character development program at work. Colossians 3.17 says it like this, whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative. Everybody say representative. As a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. How are you growing? How are you developing? How are you taking personal responsibility? How are you responding to people at work? God's watching. And God wants to help you at work. And there's a few of you uh, that are business owners in this room. And I know there's been a bit of an economic downturn, and I say a bit. <laughs> It, you know, the stock market's been on a sliding scale, and I know it's been, a, 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 the pandemic is affecting production. And for some of you, this is a real difficult season. And so you're already on edge, right? If you were making money hand over fist as a, as a business owner, it's real easy to walk in joyous and happy, and it's just like, oh, we got so many customers, I can't, you know, a good, the good problems to have. But often when the pressure starts to come, especially when it's financial, 
it can feel like a crushing blow. And now you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders. And so you're less likely to be kind and generous and sweet, promoting godliness and being a representative of Christ. And I want to pray with you in particular, you business owners and business leaders in the room, because I do want you to succeed. And I do want you to be responsible with what God's given you. And I do want you to take into account these biblical principles. But I also want to pray that God's going to bless your business in the middle of an economic downturn. I'm believing God's going to give you creative ideas, creative solutions, that it's going to be bigger, brighter, and better than you ever anticipated, that God's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And yes, I want you to learn these valuable life lessons, but I'd rather you learn them in this moment and then take them to work and make a success of the Lord in your business than to simply have to go through all of the difficulties and never learn the life lessons that that are so valuable. So first, I want to start out by praying for every business owner in this room. So would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, I want to pray for those watching online or those in this room or a part of our church that are business owners, business leaders, and the the, the weight uh, of the world, it feels like, is on their shoulders. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all they could ever ask, think, or imagine. Lord, I speak blessing over businesses and business owners in the name of Jesus. And I pray you begin to lift their burden right now as they give their life to you, as they give their business to you, as they bless, Lord, you and and, uh, build your kingdom with their business. Lord, building your kingdom and making sure that your house is covered. Lord, often you take care of us because we're taking care of your house. And I thank you, God, for that. And I speak strategic blessing over those in this house that are uh, business owners and business leaders. Now, Lord, I pray for every student and every employee that's dealing with difficulty at work. God, I pray that this would be a divine strategy that they would find solace in taking responsibility personally and being the best they can be to represent you well on the job. And I pray people all over this city would begin to take note of what you're doing in the lives of the people that call themselves Christians in the Dothan and Wiregrass area. Thank you, Jesus, for that. If you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, there may be some in this room. You'd say, Mark, I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus on my job. I need Jesus to come in. And maybe for you, it's a first-time decision to make him truly Lord of every area of your life. For some of you, this might be a rededication prayer. Maybe there's sin that's separating you from God. Maybe you've been falling into temptation, whatever that temptation might look like. Listen, the Bible says it's common to humans. But God's giving you a way of escape and you need forgiveness today. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to simply slip up your hand, acknowledging by that raised hand, Mark, include me in this closing prayer. And listen, friend, I'm not here to embarrass you. It's not my heart to judge you. I simply want to invite you into relationship or back into communication with Jesus Christ, the one who can set you free. For some in this room, this may be a call 
to commitment on the job that you would live out as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, you would represent Christ well and you know in your heart of hearts you've not been representing Christ well and you want to be included in this prayer. So whatever category you happen to fit in today, I want you to simply right now make a determination, a commitment to say, Mark, I want to be included in this prayer by slipping up your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Just lift it up right now all over this place. Raise your hand if that's you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, anybody else? The balcony, the main floor. I'm just scanning. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. Anybody else? Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else today? That's you. Say, Mark, that's me. I want to be included. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I want to invite you into this prayer right now. I'd like for all of us to pray it out loud. And if you just repeat it after me, but I really want you to mean it with all your heart when you say it. I don't want you to just say it. I want you to mean it. Could you say this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it out loud. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you stand up, put your hands together, and just give it up for all those who made a commitment and a decision for Christ? Come on, let's worship the King together. Come on, man. Give it up for him. We love you, Lord. Come on, lead us. Lead us in worship today. in ourselves, His name is power, right? We don't have healing in ourselves. His name is healing. We don't have life, true life without Him. And so today I want to encourage you that on the job, you need to understand it's common for you to feel weight and struggle and difficulty and even sometimes crisis. That's why we call out to God for help. We need him desperately. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to, uh, to just pray with me one last time with a blessing. But before I get there, I want to remind you that uh, we have two things happening kind of simultaneously in the Family Life Center right after this service. We've got a cake auction 
and we've got a spaghetti lunch. So if you don't have lunch plans, maybe you didn't sign up officially. It's like $10 a piece. But if you didn't even sign up, there's probably leftover enough to cover some tickets. So if you want to take your family down there after the service, it's right through the door and, and uh, in our Family Life Center, the building just below here. If you would like to do that, we'd, we'd be so honored to have you and host you today. But friends, I want to encourage you on the job. I really do. These have been, I believe, life application scriptures for you. And I need you to take them home, re-look at them tomorrow before you go to work. You might need it. Matter of fact, you may not even know this. But what's waiting for you on the job uh, on Monday or Tuesday, you might need this more than you think you do. So thank God in advance you got what you needed today. And I want to invite those who are, have made a first-time commitment or maybe it's a, a second or third-time decision, but you really, you, you're honoring God with the commitment. I'm going to invite you to just simply get out your smartphone and text the word D1WALK to the number 84576. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to send you a quick link to a downloadable copy of this booklet called One to One. We want to help you in your journey of faith, and this booklet will help you with that. It'll also let us know so we can be lifting you up in prayer because we want to help you in your journey of faith. That's why we have Wednesday nights and Sundays because we want to help you in that journey. Or if you want to share a testimony or a prayer request, you can do that by using the QR code there on the screen. But we want to help you in this journey of faith. Well, if, if, uh, if you have maybe been here for the last couple of weeks and we didn't get a chance to greet you personally, I'm going to dismiss Michelle and some of our other leaders to head back toward our guest reception. And if you are a first, second, third time guest, or maybe you've been here for a little bit, but you've never had the chance to personally meet us, we'd be so honored to meet and greet you. It's outside the doors and to your left, you'll see the sign that says guest reception there. We'd be just honored to meet you and greet you today on your way out. Well, let's go ahead and receive this blessing from the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you take that love, the love of your Savior, and bring it to work with you. May you take that love and give it away to your neighbors, your your co-workers, your, uh, your clients, your classmates. I bless you to be a blessing today. I bless you to bless your family, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids. I bless you to be a blessing to this city in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. We love you. Have a Jesus-filled rest of the week, and we'll see you either Wednesday or next week Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed.